The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. Everybody, welcome in. This is Billy Wright. It's just me for right now. Bill Solo Podcast. We have Tyler Nickel in the back half with Ed Williams, so be sure to stick around. There was just too much good football to not talk about it right now, so I'm just going to run through some of the stuff that went on in the college football universe this past weekend, and then I'll pass it over to Ed and Tyler Nickel for an interview. But what a weekend it was. So Pat was in New Jersey celebrating the DaCostas wedding. Shout out to EJ. Shout out to the DaCostas. I heard the Springsteen cover band was fantastic. Congratulations to both of you. I was on the couch. Zero physical exercise. I made up for it today, though. Awesome football. Postmated lunch. Postmated dinner. Fantastic. And we'll start this football off with a alliteration, abbreviation. Not really sure which one it is, but it's M-I-L-F. MILF. Man, I love football. Let's start with the biggest ACC story of the weekend. I have a confession. And you can screen grab this. You can um, quote me on this. I had a blast rooting for UVA on Saturday night. Look, conference implications. Uh, we have been over my hate ladder in the ACC. UNC, far and away, my most hated football program, followed up by probably Miami and then UVA. UVA just isn't relevant enough for them to be my number one hated team. Disagree? That's fine. Um, but all things aside, hate aside, this was good for Virginia Tech. UVA went in to Keenan as one of the worst football teams in America. Lost to JMU, who's really good. Barely beat William & Mary at the end of the game at home and had won no other football games and defeated 10th ranked UNC 31 to 27. What the hell happened? Well, UNC was four for 13 on third down. UVA outrushed UNC 228 to 143. UVA won the time of possession 37 minutes to 23 minutes. It was one of those games where UVA comes out early, I believe it was 14-0, 14-7, and you're like, okay, they jumped out. UNC is going to come back. They're going to take control of this football game. And they came back, but then Drake May was very uncharacteristic of himself. Several overthrows that stick out in my brain on third down. And you go ahead and you look. After UVA went up 31-27, to UNC went three and out. They had a turnover on downs at the UVA 20, and then they gave up an interception, and that was the ball game. Unbelievable. Unpredictable. I came on this podcast last week, and I said that I had placed a plus $7,000 bet 
plus 7,000 odds bet for UNC to make and win the college football playoff. Did I think it was going to happen? No. Did I think it was good value? Absolutely. Was I going to hedge against it? Absolutely. I'm so fired up. I don't have the chance to do it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, so that happened. Then you flip the page over to Pittsburgh versus Wake in the they are worse than us bowl. Long story short, Wake Forest wins the game at home 21 to 17. I believe it was homecoming. Ugly, ugly football game. Pittsburgh had this game won. Christian Veyu keeps it off of the edge and slides a yard short. But they have to punt. Now you say, why would he slide a yard short? He could have literally walked for the first down. If you remember in 2021 in the ACC championship, Kenny Pickett took a page out of Michael Vick's book, does the fake slide against Wake Forest, mind you. They don't mark him down. The rules to make committee says we cannot have this. They changed the rule. The new rule is as soon as you signal or look like you're going to take a slide, the play is ruled dead and the ball is placed where you started the slide. They spotted the ball there. Pittsburgh is forced to punt. Wake Forest goes 48 yards in 33 seconds. Touchdown, blouses. Um, chaos. One of the tougher ways that you can lose a football game, except for Iowa. But we'll talk about that in a second. Florida State, Duke, two really good football teams. I, I, I am so, so impressed by Duke and Riley Leonard. And no, it's not just the Riley Leonard show. It is the, I don't want to take anything away from Florida State. They won the game. They're really good. But Duke, until Riley Leonard looked, got hurt in the second half, didn't look like they didn't belong on the field of Florida State. Obviously, Florida State had better athletes, but Duke's program, their turnaround has been nothing short of remarkable. Um, Leonard played his heart out, re-injured his ankle, and then Florida State goes on to score 21 fourth quarter points to win the game 20 to 38. Here's a crazy stat. This is the first game that Mike Elko has lost by more than one score in his tenure at Duke. Let me repeat that. This is the first time Mike Elko has lost a game by more than one score at his tenure at Duke. This is two years. Unbelievable. Um, Florida State, clear path to the ACC championship. Um, I've been pretty vocal about this. Um I don't know if Florida, watching Florida State is the same brand of four-quarter focus that I see from teams like Michigan. I'd say like Washington, but they didn't play that great this weekend. Um, but that's my one concern with Florida State. They do have these lapses and these periods of time in football games where they just seem to be on cruise control. And uh, that concerns me about Florida State. But that all doesn't matter. They're undefeated. They have a path to the college football playoff. They have a path to Charlotte to play in the ACC championship. Speaking of Charlotte, the ACC. I'll preface this by saying, me saying something on a podcast or tweeting something or anybody else doing it is not going to affect this happening or not. Um, contrary to public belief, I do not play for this football team. Uh, I will not be fielding punts, blocking people, throwing touchdowns or catching them or dropping them. So uh, I'm just here to give you here to give you the situation. 
Florida State is the only unbeaten. They hold the tiebreaker over Virginia Tech. Then you look at the one-loss teams. Louisville, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia Tech. All of those teams have one loss. Virginia Tech's remaining schedule is Syracuse at Louisville, at Boston College, NC State, and UVA. Duke at Louisville, Wake Forest at UNC, Virginia Pitt. UNC at Georgia Tech, Duke at Clemson, at NC State, and rounding it out with Louisville, who plays Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, and at Miami. So Duke and UNC play each other. Louisville and Duke play each other. Virginia Tech and Louisville play each other. I'm not going to say Virginia Tech holds the gun, but they got some bullets. And they are in the conversation to play for the ACC championship. It's Sunday, October 22nd. And Virginia Tech has an outside shot. I don't even want to call it an outside shot. They have an inside shot, as good as a shot as any one of those teams to play in Charlotte. Those are the facts. So then you wonder, what about the tiebreaker? I don't think the ACC anticipated being in a position like this. I think that they're in a little bit of a better position now that UNC has lost a game because you were looking at a potential where Louisville is undefeated, North Carolina is undefeated, and Florida State is undefeated, and they all don't play each other. That would have been a disaster. So here's the tiebreaker. I'm not going to pretend to know what it means, but I'm going to read you the seven in order ways that they determine it. So the tiebreaker in the ACC, combined head-to-head win percentage among the teams, the tied teams, if all tied teams are common opponents, so head-to-head matchups, I assume. If all the tied teams are not common opponents, the tied team that defeated each of the other tied teams, then probably the situation we're going to see is the win percentage versus all common opponents. Number four, win percentage versus common opponents based upon their order of finish and proceeding through other common opponents based upon their order of finish. Number five, combined win percentage of conference opponents. Look, I can read you all seven. At the end of the day, I think if Virginia Tech finds a way to win out, and obviously that's a huge if, I think we're going to be playing in Charlotte. I think we're going to be playing in Charlotte. So pretty crazy to be in this position. If you told me we'd be in this position on Sunday, October 22nd, after the game against Rutgers or Marshall, probably wouldn't believe you, but here we are. Um, This Thursday night game, we're going to preview Syracuse later on this week. I'm, I feel like I say it every single week. It's certainly not a must win, but what a win this would be for the program to go into November playing meaningful football for conference championship hopes. Virginia Tech has not done this since 2019. The month of November has just been in, well, we made it to November. Maybe we'll make a bowl game. They have a legitimate chance to compete for a conference championship. So... Thursday night against Syracuse, Dino Babers, Brent Pry, under the lights. It, it's going to be awesome. My pops is in town. We got the basketball shoot Thursday morning. I cannot wait for this football game. And Virginia Tech has a lot to prove, a lot to lose, and a lot to gain from this football game. So I can't wait. Cannot wait. Other news in the college football world pertaining to the ACC. Let's talk about some of the teams in the ACC that are not necessarily in the ACC race. Um, Clemson and Miami. Clemson loses to Miami in Miami Gardens in double overtime. And we talked about it last week. 
man, this is just not your not your mom and dad's. This is not our Clemson that we're used to watching. Clemson was outrushed 31 to 211. Clemson turned the ball over uh, three times, once on the two-yard line and again on the Miami 25. And, you know, big win for Mario Cristobal. Clemson playing for pride. Clemson now has three losses. I cannot remember the last time Clemson had three losses in October. Crazy, crazy. Um, Interesting to see how Clemson plays out the rest of the season given that they're not going to make the college football playoff, given that they're more than likely not going to make it to Charlotte. They just haven't been in this position. They haven't had teammates that have been in this position. They haven't had peers that they have talked to that have been in this position. It's very, 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 very difficult situation. Um, Speaking of difficult situations, this is even on here. Got to feel for Shane. Um, Shane in South Carolina went to Missouri this weekend and it was not great. Um, I'm looking up the score here. I know it wasn't good. Uh, 12 to 34, 34 to 12, South Carolina falls to two and five. Just an ugly, ugly football game. Um, I suppose for a minute in the third quarter, you potentially thought that they might make a ball game out of it, maybe. Um, but Missouri straight up dominated this game. And I believe this is the fifth time in a row that Missouri has beaten South Carolina. And every SEC team wants to say, Missouri doesn't belong in the SEC. Missouri doesn't belong in the SEC. Why did they get invited? Five times against South Carolina, nothing to sneeze at. They're number 16th in the country. They're 7-1. and one. Eli, Elia Drunkowitz doing a great job. Doing a great job at, uh, at Missouri. So hats off to him. Looking at some of our opponents and where they are, Rutgers. Rutgers is bowl eligible. Bowl eligible. They beat Indiana 31 to 14. They have Ohio State coming up next week. Really impressive. Um, I think that we all kind of said, you know, Rutgers, maybe they find a way to get bowl eligible. Maybe. No if fans are butts about it. They're bowl eligible right now. The end of their schedule is really tough. Gonna see how it pans out. Purdue, they're two and five. They are not good. Uh, they were on a bye this past weekend and they play Nebraska Nebraska in Lincoln next week marshall is four and three they lost to potentially the best football team in the state of virginia and jmu um jmu is seven and oh really really good football team and they have coastal on the road next week so something to keep an eye on um one more thing i want to talk about i told you it wouldn't be long is the minnesota iowa game this was one of the most painful games I've ever watched. My buddy Bryce Chalkley, there was so much football on, and he decided to watch this entire football game. I got to tell you, I have Hulu at home. I'm at I'm at Pat's house right now, and he's got YouTube TV. This multi-box situation is unbelievable. You got four games on at one time. Reminds me of DirecTV back in 2008. It's fantastic. I am all in on the multi-box for YouTube. Might have to switch. But... 12 to 10, Minnesota goes in and beats Iowa. I'm just looking at some of these numbers by Iowa. 11 yards rushing for Iowa, 116 yards passing, 127 yards total. Um, Iowa turned the ball over three times. They averaged 0.4 yards per rush. I believe they had negative two yards rushing. 
in the entire second half, maybe negative uh, two yards total in the second half. I actually believe that's correct. And just really bad. I mean, you have to look at a team like USC and say, wow, if USC had Iowa's defense, how good they would they be? And on the flip side, how good would Iowa be if they had USC's offense? But at the end of the game, Iowa fields a punt. I hate this rule. Iowa punt returner is doing the hands, you know, incomplete sign, kind of like get away from the ball, get away from the ball, get away from the ball. In my opinion, if somebody does that, it should not be a penalty if they pick the football up because when the ball bounces, that should reset everything. Um, Iowa football player picks the ball up, returns it for a, you think, touchdown. They rule it off. And then Iowa ends up throws in, throwing an interception when they get the ball on the Iowa 46-yard line. And that's your ball game. Minnesota wins the game. And Iowa's going to drop out of the top 25. Iowa, the under hit, the over-under was 30 points, the lowest in Power 5 football in a long, long time. And uh, that's how that pans out. Flipping the page to national football before I get it over to our guy, Ed and Tyler Nickel. Uh, Giants versus Redskins today. Giants versus Commanders, whatever you want to call them. Um, Tyrod Taylor started in place of a injured Danny Dimes, Pat Finn doppelganger. He goes 18 for 29, 279 yards, two touchdowns, and 25 yards on the ground, and a win. So shout out to Tyrod. Look, Tyrod Taylor has been a guy. He's been in the league. He's done everything that every team has asked him to do. Um, would love to be able to see him continue to play football in a starting role i know plenty of teams who could use his services one is right in piscataway not piscataway new jersey um the new york jets could absolutely use some competence at the quarterback position so uh we'll see what happens with tyrod logan thomas was also worthy of giving a shout out he had four catches for 51 yards tonight we have terrell edmonds in the throwback Eagles uniforms, which is going to be awesome. They take on the Miami Dolphins. And I think that's it. If you are going to the game this weekend on Thursday, I hope to see you. It's going to be so fun. My pops is in town. Pete B is in town. Ed is in town. I know Ed's bringing his cousins who I love and adore, Brian and I think Chad. And I'm really looking forward to not doing that much. Usually on game day, I'm bouncing all over the place, got stuff to do. I got to shoot in the morning with basketball, done by noon, and then I plan on sitting down and drinking some cold BBR and hopefully eating some chicken. And that's pretty much it. And then watching some football, watching the Virginia Tech Hokies in Lane Stadium on Thursday night against a conference opponent competing for a chance to go to Charlotte. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait for it. That's it. That's a podcast. First half of the podcast, I'm passing it over to Ed and Tyler Nickel. Looking forward to it, and we hopefully will see you in Blacksburg on Thursday night. Go hoax. Hey guys, this is Ali Jennings the third wide receiver for your Virginia Tech Hokies. When I committed to Virginia Tech football, I committed to the best. That's why I chose Harvey's GM in Radford. Why settle for less when you can have the best? Go to Harvey's GM for all of your vehicle needs. Tell them Ali sent you. That's Harvey's GM, Tyler Ave in Radford, or go to their website at harveysgm.com for more info.
What's up, Hokie Nation? Uh, the second Hokie Hoops episode of the year. The first one was just Mike and I talking through the offseason. And the second one, I have a special guest in North Carolina transfer and Virginia native Tyler Nickel. Tyler, second time on the podcast, but uh, last time you were on, you weren't even in Blacksburg yet. So maybe we'll have some uh, some more updated answers to some of these Hokie-related questions for you this time. But I was first want to start off and uh, welcome you to Blacksburg. Obviously, you've been there for a little while now, but when did you get to town? Uh, in the May, in the May, and I've been here ever since. Nice. So you've had a, uh, you've had quite the, you know, you've been there long enough now to know your way around and know the ins and outs of where to go eat and all that good stuff. But uh, how was summertime in Blacksburg? I've, I've always heard good things about summers in Blacksburg, but never done it myself. So, yeah, it was good. I mean, obviously, there's not as many people because it's not school not in session, but it's actually good for me to come here in the summer to, like you said, kind of figure out where everything's at and where spots are to eat and, you know, like just get a feel for where I'm going every day. But it was cool because I got to spend a lot of time with the team because we were one of the few people here. So it, uh, it was a good, like, little bonding experience too. So, What is summer like for a Division One basketball player? What are you guys working on? Is it structured? Are y'all just in there getting individual workouts done and playing, you know, full court pickup? Like, how does that kind of stuff go for, you know, a D1 basketball player in the ACC? Yeah, that's, that's basically how it goes. We have um, do a lot of individual work. A lot of it is just trying to, like, improve your game because in the season you can improve your game and you can still work. But a lot of it is based on maintaining and really trying to be healthy. So, um in the off season is where everybody can make the most growth. So we're heavy in the weight room, heavy in skill development. Um, and like you said, we'll play pickup uh, whenever time allows. And then that's, that is really what the summer looks like. That, Just, sounds, pretty, that sounds pretty chill. That sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, it is. Well, you got there in May and then you were there for a couple of months and then you guys got to go on a really cool trip over to Europe. So I wanted to ask about the trip. Uh, was it your first time over in Europe? Uh, what kind of stuff did you guys get into over there? Um, just, you know, overall impressions from that trip to Europe with the whole team. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. I've, I've never been outside the country for anything. And the only real traveling I've ever done is for basketball. So to be able to go over there and we had played games. So it was it was good for us to, like, you know, stay in rhythm and stay, stay sharp and to play against somebody other than ourselves. But um, outside of that, man, like the, just ex like exploring different things and experiencing things that we would never get to experience over here. And it, it was it was a really cool it was a really cool time. And that was probably one of the best team bonding things we could do because we were just with each other trying to figure everything out together in a new environment. But, um, yeah, that was that was a really, really fun time. That's awesome. What was the coolest thing y'all did over there? Your personal favorite, I guess. Yeah, I mean, when we were in Milan, I really liked Milan. Milan was cool. Um, and when we were at Lake Como, Lake Como was pretty cool too. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. That's so cool. What was the basketball like? Was it a little bit different playing against? I mean, I'm assuming it was European teams, right? So was were the style they were playing a little bit different? Uh, how was the basketball piece of the trip? Yeah, it is a little more different the way they play. They're not really a lot of them don't really like to get out and transition and run like that. They like to run their set plays and that's just how they go about it. 
but uh it was good for us just to see something new and just go out there and play and we had 10 real practices before we went over there so we would have a good idea of what we were trying to do um but it was it was it was a real good experience yeah i heard coach young talk about the practices in an interview recently and that for a team with you know two freshmen a bunch of transfers a lot of new faces i'm sure those 10 practices were were super super valuable for you and your transition um from north carolina to blacksburg but what has been the most challenging thing about the transition you know you get your you get your feet wet in college and then you you transfer like that uh what's the most challenging thing about that whether it be basketball or just life or both uh, anything that you can you know look back on and say that that was something that was challenging that made you better over the course of the summer into you know we're a couple weeks out from the season now yeah i would say just getting used to just different cultures i think um but i wouldn't really say that's as much difficult as it is just different more than mm-hmm. anything. just like getting used to what different people expect um getting used to the way these our coaches go about things differently than the last coaches and and stuff like that but um the transition really wasn't too difficult because everybody's pretty authentic around here so it's it's uh it's pretty easy for me to to be myself and just flow with what's going on when when everybody's real around you so the transition really hasn't been really difficult at all for me that's good and plus you we talked about this you know when we interviewed uh back i guess end of end of last school year you know you had familiarity with the coaching staff from your time in high school as well so i'm sure that played a role in in the transition being smooth for you uh what has impressed you most about this year's team through these first couple weeks of practice i know it's early but i'm sure you've got a couple things that you've been um pleasantly surprised or excited about with this group what's impressed you most so far in practice one of the things that impresses me a lot is we have a lot of weapons like we have a like really really good depth really all over the place but it's just it's it's really like a lot of iron can sharpen iron in practice because we got a lot of talented guys and a lot of guys that do different things really well so um we're just a real multifaceted team so I think really, really that more than anything, because there's a lot of teams where you got your guys and then there's drop off or there's guys that you're trying to build up to get there later on. But right now on this team, we have we have a lot of guys that can go. So I think that's one of the more promising things about the team. And that's really impressed me so far. Yeah, you guys have a ton of guys who have played basketball at this level and um, a couple of guys who have transferred in. Uh, talk about the impact of not only Hunter, obviously he's a, a fifth year, he's played a lot of basketball, but Makai and Robbie and how they've been able to help you get acclimated maybe or help some of the younger guys along. Talk about the impact of those fifth year guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, them playing college basketball for this long and just understanding the game, um, that's probably the biggest thing is just un- understanding basketball at the college level. They've been playing it for five years. They know what they do. They know what they can contribute. Um, and they know how to help a team win um, really more than anything. And that can, be, that can be as little as just being in the right spot or just communicating and letting everybody else know. Um, but they just do little things that impact winning. And it's because that they, they've been around the game so much. Um, 
So that's really how they've impacted it. To me, that's been the most obvious is, is just sharing their experience with everybody else and then making the game easier. Well, and Coach Young talked about Hunter putting a play in uh, a week or two ago. How, what was that like where you got your teammate teaching you how to run one of the plays, putting it in like he's a coach? Yeah, I mean, Hunter, Hunter's a real good basketball mind, though, and obviously he wants to coach um, when he's done playing. So uh, it really wasn't even that that crazy to me because I know he understands basketball at a high level. So, and all of us are going to respect what he has to say and listen to him because he's been around it for so long. And we all know Coach Young has a huge amount of trust in him. So we're going to trust it too. Have you learned anything about yourself and your game since getting to Blacksburg that maybe you didn't know about your game, you know, prior to getting to town? Have you, have you picked up on anything that uh, came naturally or something that you were just like, huh, okay, that part of my game has really improved in my transition period? Yeah, I would say um, the my my defense has really improved a lot, and because we focused on it as far as the coaching staff and me and uh, David Jackson, our strength and conditioning coach, we've all uh, kind of bought in to making that an emphasis. And then also in the offense, coming off certain pin downs with curls and making reads out of there, I think has come real natural to me. That's that's I mean. Everything you just described offensively is what Hunter's been doing so well for a year. That's a big staple of the offense, obviously. So you're learning from a good coach and a, and a good fifth-year guy in, in terms of coming off the screens and knocking down shots. And I've heard Coach Young talk about you know every time he sees you shoot it, he thinks it's going in. So that's got to be awesome to have that confidence coming from the head coach, right? Oh, definitely. And that's all he's done from day one is instill confidence in that. Most impressive thing you've seen someone do in practice so far? Well, how many practices have there been? Like two weeks or something like that? So, again, it's early, but somebody has to have done something in practice where you were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it can be yourself. It can be yourself. You can brag on yourself <laughs> if you want to. I ain't going to do that. <laughs> um, um, most impressive. Um. It can be a play. It can be a series of plays. It can be one practice or scrimmage, whatever you think. Like the thing that you were like, okay, that was eye opening. Yeah, there, there's been a, there's been a lot, honestly. Um, probably seeing MJ rise up on somebody, like just because when he does it, it feels almost like it's sudden. But yeah. MJ got like super bounce, so MJ just like driving doesn't matter who's in the lane just rising up ready to punch on somebody that's that's probably one of the more impressive things i've seen yeah he uh he kind of had that like freshman ignorance last year where he would try to do that like in games you just see that the kid with braces rise up in the lane on somebody and lay it down oh uh, yeah yeah he's a he's an impressive athlete i'm excited to watch his growth this year um favorite mike young quote now you got to keep it somewhat, you know, PG thirteen. But you can give me a couple. You can give me a couple. But have there been anything? I mean, every time I talk to anybody in the program, they have just hilarious quotes from Coach Young. So, yeah, um, I, <laughs> um, I've heard him. I've heard him call somebody a turkey, and I've never, I've never heard nobody say that before. But I, I heard him say. Oh, it, he just said it like uh, last practice or the practice before. Um, 
Oh my gosh, I'm gonna be mad if I can't remember. Um, it's just like it was an expression for something. He, I know the one he says like if you're late on a closeout or late uh, getting into your gap or something, he'll be like, "Looks like you're stuck in mud." Or something like that, or like you, uh, or you're wearing boots and mud, or something like that. But he'll just use all these little expressions, like for everything. But nah, he he's funny when he does that. Though. He makes you think. You have to think about what he's saying for a second. You're like, okay, I get what he means now. That's yeah, no, like I've really had to like stop and think. Like I had no idea what he was talking about, <laughs> and then I thought about it, and I even asked the coach. And like an assistant coach, and he'll like explain what I'll, I'll okay. That's so funny. <laughs> coach Young's the man. Uh, under the radar guy for fans to watch out for, like a guy that's going to make an impact that, um, you know, whether it be a guy a returner who's really taken a big step or one of the newcomers. Uh, brag on one of your guys for a second here. Man, I, I say, um, I say look out for uh Brandon Brandon Recksteiner, one of the uh freshmen. Uh point guard. He's a gym rat, always in the gym, works really hard, cares a lot, um, just works his butt off. So I, I would say keep your eye out for him. And I think that um as people see him progress people are going to be really impressed with what he can do because he, uh, as much as he works, he really understands the game. Yeah, everything I've seen from Brandon is he can absolutely shoot it from ridiculous range. So uh, uh, I'm sure you and Hunter and Brandon get into some nice shooting competitions in the gym. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of conversations about it too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who the best shooter is? I'm sure that's a, yeah. that's a high bar to set with the, the <laughs> amount of guys that you guys have that can shoot it. Um, favorite spot in Blacksburg. So last time I we, we interviewed, you didn't have a way to answer this yet, but now you've been there a little bit. Um, you have to have a couple of your go-to spots. So let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, I do like L rods. <laughs> I, I do like L rods. The one, um, the one by the waffle house. Yeah. Right. Then, yeah. Okay. Um, I like what's another one. What's another one I like? Um, underrated. People don't talk about it, but Ocean Samurai. Where is that? It's like, um, I think it's right by Bull and Bones. Okay. Yeah. But what kind of food do we got over there? It's like Asian. They got, um, they got some sushi, and I'm not like a suit. Like I don't eat like raw sushi or nothing like that. But if it's yeah, cooked, I. yeah, I I eat it. But I got. I, the reason I know about it is because I door dashed it. I seen it on DoorDash and I got it. And it was real good. So yeah, I got I got them up there too. You got your sleeper spots in town already. I'll have to check that out next time I'm in town. <laughs> that's that's I've never even heard of it, but hey, good for you. You found you found a found a good one. Um that's all I got, man. I, I, I wanted to keep this short and sweet, just get you back on here. I will I will give you one more question and a chance to talk about yourself. Um, what do you view your role this year as a team or in your, in the team for you in year one and in, in the Virginia Tech offense and defensively? You talked about defense, but how do you view your role? I know um, there's been conversation. Are you a four or are you a three? It sounds like you think you're a three and the coaching staff definitely thinks you're a three. 
but you offer that versatility to maybe play the four against a smaller lineup. So how do you see yourself fitting in this year? Yeah, definitely. Um, primarily like two, three wing spot, but like, like you said, if it's a smaller lineup or whatever the matchup, um, calls for, then being a four is no problem either. Um, being able to switch positions on the defensive end much better than I could before. Um, and on the offensive end, um, just being a scoring threat all the time. And with the actions we run, with the spacing we have, um, it gives a lot of opportunity to score. And if not scoring, then bringing attention to myself and being able to make a play for another person. But I think um, in the way that I've improved to this point, um, that I definitely can impact both sides of the floor um, and just impact winning, really. I'm excited to watch you play this year, man. And I know Coach Young's sitting up there in his office with the whiteboard looking at a guy like you who can play three spots and defend three spots, and he's going to get really creative. So it'll be fun to watch you in this offense this year with all the weapons we already talked about. Uh, thank you for taking the time to jump on, and uh, we'll catch up next time I'm in town as well. Gotcha. Yes, sir. Go Hokies. Yes, sir. To wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know just what you're thinking Please don't go to sweat sinking Trash my friend's place, wake up the next day Take a hit 